We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew Mertig. It is a Friday. We're excited to be back. What's going on, Andrew? Yeah, happy Friday. It's been a long, long week for me, but uh, this is really great. I'm super excited. We're, We're starting to get close to the season. If my math is correct from last week, we're 43 days away from the very first preseason game which means training camp is right around the corner hopefully we'll have an end to all the quarterback drama and this is uh episode 1073 and and as the tradition goes kyle i'm picking a a packer to represent our episode so 73 is going to be aaron taylor or maybe darren college but those are the two best 73s in my lifetime that is that is those are good names that is not exactly where i thought you were going to go because the disrespect for Packers legend Yash Nijman is almost too much to handle at this point. So I thought you'd give a little bit of love uh, to Yash, but that, that's okay. You know I love me some Yash Nijman. That That's yeah. a dude that I've been on the bandwagon for for a long time. But I got to be honest with you, I did not know he wore number 73. Is it bad that we pronounced his last name two different ways? Is that like... Probably. Degrade the ability to say that he's worthy of that 73 when, shout out? When he, makes the ro- when he makes the roster this year... Then we'll learn how to pronounce his That's name. True. How about that? I'm sure your 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 way is correct, but but uh, I, <laughs> I I don't know that for for certain. I've heard people say it that, but really both ways. But he's actually a dude I I really do do like. But uh, yeah, Aaron Taylor, Darren College, those are my two guys I'm going with. But hey, what one quick shout out I did want to say uh, we had some Twitter Twitter action. I don't know if you noticed your Twitter blowing up. Yeah. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, something like that. Um, but Ollie Murray put out his updated Packers Twitter podcast power rankings, you know, the top 10 podcasters and for, for the Packers. And we made the list, Kyle. I think we, we were number seven. I which think is, we, I think number we one, were. Way too high. Absolutely. Like, we're, we love to be loved, right? And, and, Andrew is never one to need a little bit of pumping up. Like he's always willing to self-promote, but we're humble enough to realize that is a pretty exclusive list of people. 
And so I double checked that list a couple of times just to make sure that that was you and I on that list. I mean, that, that was very flattering, but my goodness, what a, what high praise. Yeah, no, and and you know it's fun when Ollie puts that out, and I, I, we've never been on the list before, but I, I know it always causes a lot of controversy, and everybody has their own favorites, and 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 that's what's so great about being part of this Packers community is there's so many ultra talented people, and like honestly, you and I have talked about this before, like we stand on the shoulder of giants, whether that be Brian Caravu or Aaron Nagler, or Andy Herman, like people that that have kind of paved the way for us to have any platform so it's 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 totally an honor to be included in that list I don't think we're deserving I mean maybe me definitely not you (laughs) I was gonna say I I was just standing on your shoulders but you went ahead and you know put yourself there so that's solid that's good but but absolutely thank you it's a great talking point during a time when honestly from a football standpoint not not a lot else to discuss so uh thanks ollie shout out to you for for putting that together um and uh thank you very much for including us yeah absolutely it is an honor to be on that kind of a list and really as andrew said speaks to the great wealth of packers uh people we have covering this incredible team and so what a community uh just an honor to be mentioned so but if you've been listening to us on fridays you knew that we begun this series that we we do enjoy doing this every single summer where we preview the Packers' upcoming opponents for the coming season. And we started this year with the NFC North and the Packers' division rivals. And we kicked things off with the Vikings. We talked about the Bears then last week. And we are back this week to cover, you guessed it, those Detroit Lions. And so today we're going to talk about their free agent additions, their subtractions, their draft picks, and then discuss whether or not they were actually able to improve. Yeah, and so when we're looking at the Lions in 2020, they um, are coming off of a 5-11 and 11 season, certainly a big disappointment. I think you're going to talk about some of the changes that, that took place, um, you know, from a coaching and front office perspective. Yeah, but I mean, I was oh, going to say, is 5-11 and 11 bad, Andrew? <laughs> I mean, it's it's not great. You know what happens when you're bad and you just keep being bad? People get uh, fired. Yeah, you get relegated. Yeah. Oh, no, no, not, not in the NFL. Not, you just not, draft, not. draft the best college players. That's true. Uh, but <laughs> in this world, people get replaced. People get fired. And that's where the Lions find themselves right now. They've replaced head coach Matt Patricia with Dan Campbell. Uh, they are ready to embrace a little bit of a rebuild here in Detroit, maybe a lot of a rebuild, and try to take on a knee-biting culture, whatever that would mean. But regardless, this is a very different organization heading into 2021. In addition to Campbell as the head coach, the Lions have brought in former Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn as their OC, uh, Mark Brunel and Deuce Staley are there as the quarterback and running back coaches. So a little bit of throwback there to Green Bay with Mark Brunel. Antoine Randall-L is the wide receiver coach. And Dom Capers, just throwing out all these names, is a senior defensive assistant to Aaron Glenn, the, the defensive coordinator. So a total remake of this staff. And then the front office is a lot different, too. It's made up of Brad Holmes as your GM and John Dorsey, who was brought in as an advisor. So a new culture is needed and the Lions have gone all out to try and acquire it. 
I, I don't know if this was just a slip, but you said here in Detroit, you Michigander you. Nah, did I say that? Nah, that's, uh, that is the Michigander speaking, I suppose. <laughs> but anyways, the, the front office was definitely not the only thing that changed for the Lions this offseason. So why don't you get us kicked off with the players who left during free agency? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of players who made their exit. And um, wide receivers Jamal Agnew and Marvin Jones both signed with the Jaguars this offseason. And we'll have a chance to earn some reps there with Trevor Lawrence. I actually really like the potential fit there uh, with Lawrence with Marvin Jones. I think that could be a fun connection. Um, Matt Prater, the kicker, who'd been with Detroit since 2014, signed a two-year deal with the Cardinals. And then there was a little bit of an exodus at linebacker for the Lions. Reggie Ragland, the former draft crush of Packers fans everywhere, signed a one-year deal with the Giants. And Gerard Davis signed a one-year deal, getting six, I'm sorry, seven million dollars, give him a raise. With the Jets. I don't know what's up with that. I guess the Jets got a little bit of money to pay with, play with, rather. $7 million on that one-year deal. Um, wide receiver Kenny Galladay was probably one of the bigger moves. A huge loss for this team this offseason. Signed a four-year, $72 million deal with the New York Giants. So, big moves there. Uh, they also waved goodbye to Miles Killebrew, the safety. Daryl Roberts, the corner, who moved on to Washington. Mohamed Sanu signed a one-year deal with the 49ers. May have been recently cut by them. I'd have to check that out. He may not be sticking around out there uh, after earning quite a trade from the Falcons a couple years back or last season. Uh, Jerron Harmon, the safety, also signed with the Falcons and is no longer in Detroit. And then uh, the fates are not quite yet sealed here, but the Lions are yet to bring back defensive end Everson Griffin. Adrian Peterson remains unsigned. Wide receiver Danny Amendola is old and unsigned. Cornerback Tony McRae is also unsigned. So lots of guys walking out of the building. And I think the wide receiver group with Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay leaving Motown have to be the most notable losses for this team. Uh, my producer told me Mohamed Sanu is still on the 49ers. Okay, I, that's a lot of disrespect, and I've heaped on his name, so I apologize. But it is funny <laughs> that he was traded for a, sec a second-round pick two years ago. Yes. While, while Packer Nation was clamoring for him and then basically has had to sign, like, really cheap veteran free agent deals yeah, last exactly. offseason. Crazy. Oof. Uh, so the Lions were busy turning this roster over, not only by letting the guys who are free agents walk, but also cutting cutting quite a few. Uh, both linebacker Christian Jones and quarterback Desmond Trufant were cut. And if you listen to last week's episode, you know they ended up on the Chicago Bears because we talked about them as additions last week. Uh, they also cut center Russell Bodine, cornerback Justin Coleman, tight end Jesse James, guard Joel Dahl, quarterback Chase Daniel, and defensive lineman Danny Shelton. So, you know, there were some necessary cuts due to players who really didn't fit any scheme except the Patriots wannabe scheme that Matt Patricia was trying to run. Most of the players were veterans whose careers are definitely on the downswing. So you look at a team like the Lions, who is in teardown and rebuild mode, you need to clear time for young players to play, and then you need to clear the salary cap room um, to be able to have some additional flexibilities. And there were a couple other changes that we thought were worthy of mentioning here on the podcast. I bet we have a good group of folks yelling at us right now, whether you're listening in your car, or on your phone, screaming at your device, wondering when we're going to talk about 
Matt Stafford. Don't worry, we saved his departure in order to give him his own section here because Detroit, in their commitment to this rebuild, did decide to move on from quarterback Matt Stafford and grant him his trade request. Uh, They were able to make a deal with the L.A. Rams, sending Stafford to the West Coast for next year's first-round pick, next year's third-round pick, And the Rams also got 2023's first round selection as well there. The Lions also picked up an interesting player in this trade. Jared Goff is now a Detroit Lion and feels like a one or two year starter while this team hits the reset button here in this rebuild. But it's worth mentioning that GM Brad Holmes was with the Rams when they selected Goff. And Holmes has had nothing but good things to say about the former Cal quarterback, even mentioning that he doesn't view him as a bridge quarterback. So worth watching how all this plays out in Detroit, but it's certainly going to be different watching a Lions team without Matthew Stafford under center as we've been used to these past several years. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and then there was one more trade this offseason, correct? Yeah, a really interesting one, actually. Michael Brockers. Uh, we have to at least mention this one. The Lions did acquire defensive lineman Michael Brockers from the Rams, like these deals with the Rams as well. Uh, and what was really a salary cap relief move for those L.A. Rams, the Lions sent a future seventh-round pick to get this done and give Brockers a new three-year deal upon his arrival in Detroit. Uh, But Andrew, I know that you've taken a look at what the Lions did to bring in some free agents this offseason as well. So who are the new guys over there in Detroit? Yeah, so obviously Jared Goff and Michael Brockers are going to be the the two big names. But the the Lions had a lot of roster turnover, right? We we talked about that like laundry list of, of players. The roster is going to be nearly unrecognizable going into next year. But they they did make some interesting um, veteran uh, additions, and and a lot of these are very reasonable deals. And and we'll start with two really familiar faces, that being quarterback Tim Boyle and running back Jamal Williams, of course, both formerly of our Green Bay Packers. Um, and I know there's a lot of people who think Boyle is going to compete with Jared Goff, but in my opinion, I know we're going to disagree on this. I think Goff is incredibly underrated. I, I do think Boyle can be a really solid backup for Detroit, but I think Goff is firmly entrenched as a starter. And I do think there's the potential that he's their long-term starter, as as you mentioned. Um, Jamal Williams should be a nice add as a backup to DeAndre Swift and a good pass blocker for, for Goff. I, to me, Jamal Williams is the ideal running back too, right? You know he's going to be phenomenal in pass blocking. He's going to get the yards that are blocked for him. He's going to be consistent. He, he's 
typically available um, all thing. You know, you can play a little special teams too. Um, and obviously great locker room guy. So that was a nice uh, value pickup for Detroit. Uh, they also signed a trio of wide receivers, Brashad Perriman coming in from the Jets, Tyrell Williams from the Raiders and Khalif Raymond from the Jags. And, you know, <laughs> the Lions, we joked about this a lot. They, they had a huge void at wide receiver. Like they barely had anybody on the roster besides Quintez Cephas. So uh, they filled it with some veteran players. And I'm not sure Tyrell Tyrell Williams makes really much of an impact at this point, but Perriman has had success in the right offense. And Khalif Raymond is a fun gadgety player that I think could um, take on some of those reps as well. So um, who is the receiver you said left the the Lions and went to the Jaguars? Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. Ah, yes, Marvin Jones. But then uh, there was another one. Sorry, uh, Jamal the, the, Agnew. The, the, Jamal thank Agnew. you. So Khalif <laughs> Raymond and Jamal Agnew are eerily similar, uh, like special teams kind of guys, um, sort of that small gadgety receiver if you're going to bring him in the offense. So sorry, totally had a blank there. Um, but yeah, I mean, so so the Lions are, they, they didn't sign any big name free agents. They're certainly not replacing Jones and uh, Kenny Galladay's production with, those, with that trio, but... I will say, you know, solid veterans. They're going to be able to play. They're 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 guy. You know, you're not throwing undrafted rookies out there mm-hmm. for Jared Goff to have to try to throw open. They did bring in a pair of Saints, uh, tight end Josh Hill, and linebacker Alex Anzalone, uh, because hey, Dan Campbell came from New Orleans, so it makes sense <laughs> that he's going to bring in a couple of his guys, um, and they should be solid veteran additions. They signed Edge Charles Harris from Atlanta. Uh, Charles Harris, of course, was a former first round pick of, I believe, the Dolphins. Uh, kind of a bust uh, label at this point, but hey, you know, if you're going to take a chance on somebody, take a chance on somebody with a lot of upside. They also signed kicker Randy Bullock. Can you mention Matt Prater leaving for Arizona? You know, it's so funny. The Lions went from Jason Hansen, who I I think was their kicker from like 1970 to like 2004 (laughs) or something approximately. Uh, And then Matt Prater came in right after and and took over. So, you know, the Lions are going to hope Bullock competes for the kicker job. I know that they do have a young kicker who who, um, there's some promise um, of of maybe being that that guy. But regardless of who it is, this this has actually been one of the few bright spots of consistency over the last several years for the Detroit Lions. So, uh, you know, from a Packers fan, it'll be nice to see the Lions with without a kicker who just makes everything all the time no matter what the conditions are. Uh, and then uh, you're going to talk to us about who the Lions actually brought back, which I don't think is a very long list. Yeah, there's a couple guys that they were able to keep in the building and keep them from wandering away. Uh, they re-signed a couple key players on defense, bringing back Edge, Romeo Aquara, linebacker Jalen Reeves-Maben, and cornerback Mike Ford. Aquara uh, showed really nicely as a pass rusher last year, and Mike Ford posted some really impressive PFF grades and extremely limited sample size. So the Lions have to like the developmental upside with Ford, but uh, we've kind of reached the thing that we love most here that we're going to get into. So I'm excited about this because I like this this a lot. We're going to talk about what the Lions did in this draft class, and there's a lot to be excited about, I guess, if you're a Lions fan. Yeah, I, you and I talked about the the division draft classes 
really right after the draft. And I think I had kind of forgotten how much I liked the Lions draft until we went back and did it. And again, this is this is the fun of this activity is just reflecting on, you know, that that what I what I said last week with the Bears, that balance sheet. Who did they lose? Who did they gain? Now, I'm certainly not impressed looking at free agency and cuts and re-signings, who they brought back and who they didn't, right? right. Huge <laughs> talent exodus. But when you look at this draft, it's only seven players, but it is really top-heavy. Um, the the Lions, in fact, did not have a fifth or sixth-round pick and only one in the seventh. Um, so all of those other six picks were in rounds one through four, and they they kicked that off uh, with pick seven overall having – uh, tackle Penny Sewell from Oregon just fall into their laps. I don't know that I really saw that coming. Uh, in the second round, they were able to get defensive lineman Levi Anwarziki from Washington. Uh, in the third round, uh, Ali McNeil and Ifitu Melifanwu. Uh, in the fourth, they got wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown and linebacker Derek Barnes. And then in the seventh round, they got Jermar Jefferson. So, you know, Penny Sewell was my second overall player in this class. <laughs> And they didn't take Justin Fields, even though he was there, but they did make a commitment to protecting the quarterback they have right now, Jerry Goff. And they're going to try to turn that offensive line, which was a weakness, into a strength. You know, you get two defensive linemen in a row to follow that up. Anwar Zeke was my defensive lineman three, and Lee McNeil was my defensive lineman five. And, you know, this was a weak defensive line class, but they got mm-hmm. Two of my top five, um, and they didn't have to spend a ton of really high draft capital, ca- capital, uh, capital to get there. And you know, really, like you think Dan Campbell and the things he's saying and the things he values, clearly building up the trenches is going to be really important. So you 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 talk about roster building strategies, and that's something that you and I are always really interested in. If you're going to build up that offensive line, build up that defensive line. And then get the skill players in there to surround them. I, I, that's that's something that's worked with quite a bit of success over the history of the NFL. When when you look back at it, so um, that's exciting. Melifanwu, who I um, definitely mispronounced uh, his first name, and you'll have to correct me on that later. He was my <laughs> 21st overall rated player in this entire draft class, and so to get him in the third round, he's a really fun project corner. I think you put him opposite of Jeff Akuda. They complement each other mm-hmm. very, very well. And, and that could be a scary corner duo moving forward. Amon Ross St. Brown, he was my 37th overall player. And, you know, it, it, this is where it starts to look like this Lions draft class uh, might be the best one that we've talked about so far. And St. Brown could be a really fantastic developmental guy. You know, I talked about they have these three veterans. They have Quintez Cephas, who they like a bit. So no rush to get him on the field, but maybe he could be a contributor in some some form of a role uh, in that Lions offense. And, you know, I'm not super high on Derek Barnes coming out of Purdue, but his versatility could make him maybe like a poor man, Zach Bond, who who was a Wisconsin player who, who went to New Orleans last year in the second round, I believe. Third round. I don't know. Uh, and then uh, Jamar Jefferson is an interesting seventh round pick. And in kind of the same way Ky- Kylan Hill is. I, I think, you know, if you would have gone back several years in the draft, those are guys that probably would have been picked in the middle rounds, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even sneaking into day two. And instead, they're falling in the seventh round because the running back position is so devalued. But he could be a really fun third running back for this team behind Jamal Williams. Absolutely. So this is really interesting as you're going through this. I mean, again, I, I'm always reminded how much I like this class, which 
I hate to like other NFC North classes, but that's just the case with this one. It's it's so good, and um, it is a Fatu. We landed on a Fatu, I believe, as the name for Melifonwu, but it's less important because he's no longer a Green Bay Packers consideration, so we don't have to spend Correct. a lot of time splitting hairs about that. Um, but um, the, the wide receiver thing is interesting. You pointed out St. Brown as someone, and, and I guess I've heard a few places that the Lions are going to move to a little bit more of a spread offense because that's what Jared Goff is more comfortable running. And so it's going to be really interesting to see which wide receivers get on the field because they have so many and none of them are that like elite, you know, you know that they're always going to be on the field, whether it's Tyrell Williams or Rashad Perriman or whatever. So it could be a good opportunity for St. Brown to come in and have a role. And he's a very different receiver than his brother. I know a lot of people say, oh, it's, you know, just another St. Brown, they're very different receivers. So it'll be fun to watch him there in Detroit, even though he's a lion. But this is a very Packers draft class. Obviously, Penny Sewell was never in the conversation for the Packers being a top 10 selection. But all these other guys came up in conversations that we had leading up to the draft. We discussed Levi Anzariki as a sneaky late first round pick for the Packers with some true like three tech penetration ability. Uh, we really liked his run defense, even though he was kind of billed as that penetrating defensive tackle. Aleem McNeil was a draft crush for, I think, all three of you, me and Maggie, when we talked about him. Um, and he was like 20 years old. So the fit for the Packers was right there. And I think we all loved Melifonwu as well. So I know we discussed the what-if scenarios with the the St. Brown brothers playing together. Obviously, that wasn't meant to be. But uh, now he's, of course, there in Detroit. I just I really liked all these moves. And I hate that they're all rivals of the pack here in the North. But you just can't really think that the Lions could have done a better job with the resources that they had in this draft class. So let's answer the question, though, now, Andrew. We get to this point in the episode every week. Did the Lions get better or worse this offseason? This is kind of a complicated question to answer. Yeah, this one's tough because I don't know that the Lions will win more than five games next year. So if you're asking, like, are they better in 2021? I don't know what the answer is. Maybe. But they got better simply by not having Matt Patricia as the coach anymore. <laughs> you know, I like the moves they made towards a rebuild, and they're going to try to build up the trenches, and, and, and that's great. But here's the comparison I would make. Let's say you buy a house, and the previous owner has not done anything for 25 years. Right? Like the Lions. They haven't been good right. for 25 years. Right. And what's the best option, right? Do you replace the kitchen? Or do you tear this whole thing down to the studs, get the rot out, and then just rebuild the sucker? And and I think there's too many teams that are afraid to do the full teardown because you're going to lose fans, you're going to have poor attendance, it's going to look like you're you're giving up. But I think this is the right move for the Detroit Lions. And yes, they've tried this before and it's failed. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try again because the al- alternative is – you do exactly what they do, and you make the playoffs every like six or seven years mm-hmm. with no chance of actually going anywhere in the playoffs. Yeah. And so it's so hard to move on from a guy like Matt Stafford, but they had the courage to do it. They're they're probably not going to be a very good football team this year. They lost way too much talent to do that, but you and I both mentioned we like the draft class. 
I love that they're adding draft capital for the future. So if they succeed in building up the trenches, they find some hidden talents in free agency. Uh, maybe like their whole class ends up being really good. And then you can use that draft capital to go all in if you need a quarterback. Or you can just keep using it, keep building this team up, keep building the talent around Jerry Goff. And clearly Jerry Goff is good enough to be the quarterback of a team that's good enough to go to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I, I think I think I really do like the way that they went about this offseason. Um, I have no idea if Dan Campbell is going to be a good head coach or not. We will see. But, um, you know, as far as just the moves that they made, I, I think this is this is pretty good and, and you know, might be changing the culture of the team. So, you know, like I mentioned, I think Jared Goff is going to be fine in this offense. And, you know, I, I think just the mentality and the scheme is going to make them a more competitive team, but I have no idea if they'll actually be good or not. You know, and and again, five wins is pretty pretty low. <laughs> pretty low because they get an extra game now. Yes, so, absolutely. We'll yeah. It'll be really fun to watch, and I'm 100% with you. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the Lions got better by simply acknowledging how much of an organizational rebuild is required here in Detroit. I think that's kind of been... You know, maybe him hawing around a little bit, hoping that they'd get there because they had Stafford. And when you have that quarterback in place, you want to think you're not that far away. But I really liked Dan Campbell when he was on the Packers list a few years back for head coaching openings. Um, His strange press conferences have made me cringe a bit more since he's been a lion. But I'm curious to see if he can change that culture. And I like their process of trying to get the rest of the roster in better shape before dropping in a new quarterback. Potentially, we'll see how Goff does and those kinds of things but we'll see if it works but i like a lot of the decisions that they've made but heck they absolutely got worse this off season if we're talking about this coming season but getting better was never really the goal i think at least not for this year maybe not even for 2022 i think this is a team that's building probably towards 2023 is kind of realistic and i think we'll finish we'll see them finish and last in the division uh for probably the next two or three years yeah, so there are two matchups for the Packers and Lions, like always. Um, and he, wait, wait till you hear this schedule, Kyle. Okay. Uh, the Packers and Lions face off for their first matchup in Week Two, so early on a Monday night, September twentieth, at Lambeau Field. And then they play in Week Eighteen to close the season, <laughs> Sunday at noon, uh, January 9th at Ford Field. So they play Week Two and Week Eighteen. That's a weird, uh, like. They're just putting that second game off as long as they can, hoping that it doesn't happen. Like week 18 is a real week, people. This is crazy. <laughs> but but like neither team is even going to recognize the other one by the time they face off. Absolutely. The time. So really interesting scheduling quirk there. But uh, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packity Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Merging. Please subscribe or rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And we'll be back next week to continue our conversation on the Packers 2021 opponents. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.